0: Okay, uh, welcome back to Firewalls. usual, I'm your host Bradley Tusk. As usual, this is a Tuesday episode. So with me is our friend and
1: producer Hugo Lengren. Hugo, how are you? I'm great. This is um, we're recording this on Halloween, the actual day tomorrow when this comes yeah. out is no longer Halloween, but this is Halloween. Fucking rubble and ruins. But yeah. <laughs> well, so I want one thing. I realized this is not like a, a, a startling insight or anything, but. When did Halloween become like Christmas, where it's not like a day, it's literally a season, right? So it used to be like Halloween was a thing. People went trick-or-treating. They dressed up. But now it's been going on like basically Here's all month. The, 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 the first or second
0: or third company to test this out were succeeding, and everyone else jumped in. I mean, it's, it's like Christmas because just like Christmas is a chance to make money.
1: Right. And you don't—obviously, uh, you, you, we can tell from your tone, you are not a fan of Halloween. When was the last time you dressed up?
0: like 20 fucking years ago or more, 25. What, do you
1: remember your last costume? Yeah, it was the Hulk. I was painted green. I hated every fucking... Wait, wait, wait. <laughs>
0: wait. By the way, wait, wait. I'm like 170 pounds. I don't even look like
1: a Hulk. But wait, but that's the point of Halloween. You're not supposed to be do what you I look don't, like. So when I grew up, it was
0: very weird. Like my mom was really inconsistent. Like some years... It was okay, Halloween, and right. some years it was a pagan holiday and it was not okay, but there was no rhyme or reason to it at all.
1: <laughs> so so you, had a, you, had, you had mixed sort of conflicted yeah, feelings about it Yeah, I thought that I
0: think it's a pagan... I don't know who it
1: is, but who gives a shit? But, but like, nobody has any idea what Halloween is, right? It's just like a... It's I just don't party like wearing time. costumes
0: in general, right. and I, I, don't, don't you, I, find, I don't want to be on the street tonight. I find it like unnecessarily aggressive
1: and difficult. I, I don't I know. Even
0: want. I'm stressed out a little bit because I don't want my kids out tonight, and yeah. I think my daughter's not going to like that.
1: Well, we live in a big apartment building, and it's actually really nice because it's like where kids feel pretty safe, and yeah. so there's lots of little kids. So I like that part of it. I like opening doors, seeing little kids, yeah, yeah, yeah. and it's nice. So right, yeah. don't, we don't have hard, you know, your building's not that big. So building's so not big. that yeah. big. Yeah. You, you live in too fancy building. Yeah. Um. So okay, one other quick thing, and then we're going to talk about Elon Musk. We're going to talk about uh, the attack on on Paul Pelosi. Uh, and what that sort of means for politics as we know it, and also for the Pelosi family, um, not that we know that much about that. But the um, uh, I saw an excerpt this morning on Axios of all things, crazy that um, the book by Bono was excerpted on Axios. I think the New Yorker had a bit on it. I read the review
0: of it yesterday in the Times.
1: And are you where are you on the on the Bono book? Obviously, on, you're a bookseller. It's gonna I be am, in the store. Well, I'm
0: sure we have. I fucking hope we have it. Um, I'm probably not likely to read it. Uh, people would have to say it's incredible. I mean, I, I really just prefer fiction. Like a, a friend of mine, Saturday Night recommended David Milch's
1: autobiography. Yeah, my mother-in-law book. bought me that.
0: Yeah, and and I think it's sort of it seems interesting in the sense that he's he's kind of on the beginning of Alzheimer's and he's writing this book while that's happening, but. I, know, I read two chapters and then I went back to whatever novel I
1: was oh, Why? What was the. What did you just It was just
0: about his childhood, and, but you'll like it. It was in Buffalo. Uh, <laughs> but like, I don't know. I just like, I don't care. <laughs> you'll like it. It was in Maybe, Buffalo. You know it's so true. I, I think for me, for biographies at least, I think I need to jump ahead to like their careers. Right. Like, I just don't care that much about their childhood.
1: Well, I think, you know, I've, I I there was a great New Yorker piece on Milch. Um, like two years ago, which I think may have started this, or maybe it was when he announced or he told people that he had some illness and that it was going to be sort of uh, the end of his TV career. Um, and this book, I think, grew out of that. And I remember that piece. I don't remember. I don't remember the details of it well, but I remember it was incredibly moving and interesting. So I am pretty excited about the book. But I agree with you if it just starts with like you know in 1951. That's what ours, it is, and know. it's
0: like you know he tries to make it like oh my dad was a degenerate gambler and here's how I became a, a you know a deviant, but like.
1: I don't know. So far, I'm bored with it. Didn't move you. Not yet. Okay. maybe I'll skip like 10 chapters. I'm going to I'm going to get case. to the middle of it and then I'll tell you maybe we'll talk okay, about it next let me week. Know. Um, okay Twitter this yeah. is a story now this is talk about something taking over an entire season like Halloween. Yeah. This Twitter thing first of all it's just been so boring for like the last several months like Willie or Willie won't right. not buy it like who gives a shit. Right. But well, like now he's bought it he's yeah. the well, by
0: it. definition because no one is better at naval gazing than the media. Right. Um, and they are far more ashamed themselves than anything else. Basically I would argue most reporters are like most politicians they they desperately need attention, right. and the way that they get it now is by getting likes and retweets, and then that gets them invited onto a podcast or a TV show or whatever it is. And then in a fucking world of nirvana, they get to host a podcast or a TV show. Right. Um, and so the world of Twitter, they literally must spend 20% of their waking hours on it.
1: You think only 20%. Maybe higher, right? <laughs> so as a
0: result, whatever happens to Twitter to them is earth-shattering. Um, to the normal public, it's it's a lot less important.
1: So it looks like I mean again, there's this, this sense of extreme panic um, on the part of the media about what's happening to Twitter, but it does look so. It's hard to tell exactly what's going on, but it does seem like like Elon Musk is w- walking in there ready to fuck this place up. You know,
0: yeah. Look, I, you know, in thinking about this question, the first question is why is he doing this? Right. So his his nonsense about how much he loves the First Amendment is sort of it, like. Someone should have been smart enough to tell him, like, dude, that just doesn't pass the smell test. Like, nobody spent $44 billion to profess their love for the First Amendment, right? And, like, I think, I don't know, 21 of it's his personal cash, like, so—or 23, something like that. So, like, it, that's fucking nonsense. So, I look, it, it happened for one of three reasons or a mix of thereof, right? The most generous and charitable would be— he has a vision, just like he had a vision for Tesla and for SpaceX and Neuralink and all of these other companies that he's done. And some of them work, some of them don't. But generally speaking, this is a guy that could see things that most people can't see. He sees something for Twitter, and he plans on executing it. And may require, by the way, do you way. think
1: he does see something
0: for Twitter? I don't. I don't know. I'm, I'm, okay. I'm giving you the most generous okay. take on it. Right. Um, and we talked about firing seventy five percent of the staff. If his vision He's he
1: said that he didn't say that, but I, but I you know if, if his, he's if, definitely gonna
0: fire a lot of people. If his vision involves a radical transformation, then arguably the people who are part of the current culture don't belong. So the most generous thing would say, this guy deserves a benefit of the doubt. He knows what he's doing, he's the richest person in the world, he's done some incredible things. So therefore, you know, give him a couple of years and let's see what happens before we just judge him. So right. that, that would be the most generous. The least generous would be this guy has turned into Kanye West and Donald Trump, right? He is just desperately, desperately, desperately in need of attention at all times and will say or do anything he can to get it, regardless of the consequences. Um, and you, you see that not just in the fact that he announced a shit like, we're taking Tesla private, which they weren't, or I'm going to buy Twitter. But even like, again, we'll get to Pelosi, but like he retweeted some tweet um From some crazy writing publication that Paul Pelosi met the attacker at a gay bar and took him home like a prostitute. Like, the fuck? Or, like, um, he puts out his peace plan for the Ukraine, which is just Putin's peace plan. First of all, who gives a fuck what Elon Musk's peace plan is? He doesn't know anything. And second, like, clearly he was the mouthpiece for Putin in that case. So, you know, um, so the, the point is this guy has a very long history of doing or saying absolutely anything to get attention. And look, it is both part of what drives him and it has enabled him to have the vision and ambition and work ethic to create a Tesla, create a SpaceX, to do a lot of amazing things. And it's often the same thing that ruins him, right? You often see when people have a lot of power and they ultimately abuse it and it takes them down, it's because they just can't control themselves, right? They just can't stop themselves from, from from doing whatever it takes to sort of give them that dopamine hit at that moment when they need it. And the problem is, you know, when you're Elon Musk, the dopamine hit of like, you know, tweeting, I don't tweet, but like, hey, good morning, it's a lovely day, and somebody likes it, that makes you feel good. Now it has to be like, I'm taking over the world, and if I don't get at least 3 million retweets, I'm going to have to announce something even more radical. So like, <laughs> I just think he's in a pretty fucking bad downward spiral. Or the third, which would be sort of the only logical... Business reason that I can see, and again, he might have a vision that I can't see, is and we've talked about this before, Tesla's worth seven hundred as, as of the close of market on Friday, Tesla was worth seven hundred and twenty-one billion dollars. If you just look at other car companies, it's maybe worth a tenth of that in reality. The market cap is the most inflated of any company, maybe in the history of the stock market over a prolonged period of time. Why? Because he has massive retail investor faith and fan base, massive hype. And it's the pixie dust that accounts for the extra $650 billion or so in
1: valuation. Um, so, he, a $40 billion sort of investment in the cur- pixie dust?
0: You're right. SpaceX is going to go public at some point. And by the way, like, is a space company profitable? Probably not. I mean, maybe they find some sort of resource through mining that becomes really lucrative. But overall, I mean, there's a reason why NASA has been a government agency. It's because it's, it's exploring space so far is not a profitable endeavor. Um, so. Uh, but nonetheless, SpaceX goes public. They hype the fuck out of it on Twitter. They control the hype mechanism itself. Stock shoots up. If SpaceX was all of a sudden worth two hundred and fifty billion dollars instead of twenty five billion dollars, then that forty four billion that he paid or twenty something out of his pocket um, uh-huh. just becomes a, a, a you know cost of doing business. So. Um, I wouldn't be shocked if that's why it kind of makes sense. Now, there are obviously SEC restrictions.
1: But why does he need to own Twitter to promote himself? Like, like it, he seems to—that's what I don't understand. Like, like if anything, it makes you—like, if, you know, if Henry Ford had bought, like, RCA or something back in the day and, and yeah. owned the radio network of the United States, would that have helped Ford like sell more cars in the long run. Like it just seems it seems like such a kid, like uh, juvenile kind of like. I
0: don't know. I I think that very powerful people um, see a real advantage in owning prominent means of communications, right? And
1: Jeff Bezos with the New Bezos Post,
0: Post or Rupert Murdoch, or look Berlusconi, or whatever you want to look at. And, and I think that Twitter is sort of the modern day for Elon version of. The New York Times, the Herald Tribune, whatever, whatever it is, and so I think that's part of what attracted him
1: to it. I think that's a really interesting way of looking at it actually it, more along the lines of Jeff Bezos buying the Washington Post, which was a tiny deal for Jeff Bezos, like yeah, like- and much cheaper. It's a couple of hundred million dollars
0: as opposed to forty-four billion.
1: Right, and and hasn't that doesn't seem to have done Bezos. I mean it hasn't hurt no, him. I, th- but I like, think it's helped him. Do you think it I, has? I would
0: argue so, yeah, because I think that at least during the Trump era, he got a lot less criticism from the left than he would have otherwise because it was an en- the enemy of my enemy thing. Right. Trump hated the Washington Post. Oh, he so he bought much. himself
1: some credibility.
0: And also like again, this is human nature. He controls the means of production. Every progressive activist wants nothing more than to be quoted in the newspaper. That is their goal in life, to a certain extent at a very macro level he could whisper to the editor-in-chief, do this or do that, and all of a sudden someone gets cut out completely. We're not covering AOC anymore or whatever it is. So I, I think they also, you know, when you own the means of production, people have to be careful with you. And I think that Elon understands that. But with that said, whether or not you would need to own Twitter or, or owning it provides some kind of material advantage in controlling the pixie dust that leads you to lead your stock to be wildly overvalued, I don't know, Um, but at the same time, he's figured out something and how to do that already that almost no one ever has. So, you know, he may see an opportunity that I don't see.
1: So, um, as a business person, have you ever uh, seen a case of a company being taken over? Where they literally fire some just overwhelming percentage of the workers. Let's say he's going to fire forty percent. You know, yeah. we, we, the the report was seventy five at some point. He's walked that back, but he, he definitely has made a lot of comments about like, wow, it's all like you know, managers here and no coders. You know, like yep. like we gotta we gotta. He might be right. Um, no, it, 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 I mean, who knows? But but um, but even if he is right. Does it work to go in there and just gut the house? I mean, is that, it's, it seems like such a desperate, it seems like what private equity you know, guys about to do. Say, like, have you heard of private equity? I know, but private equity does it so that they can then resell the company. Like it, it has a very, like, well, it, it has an end game so to it. Uh, yeah, but envision this. Maybe maybe part of his, again, maybe he has a vision. Maybe he's also just- Also private equity buys stuff cheap. Right, <laughs> maybe he,
0: is true. Maybe he is just um, sort of, panic because he spent all this money, because basically, to, because one morning he needed a dopamine hit, he just cost himself tens of billions of dollars. So if he can reduce the spend at Twitter and increase the EBITDA, maybe in two years, three years, he takes it back public and he's able to sort of cash out and make a profit. Maybe it's purely as, as simple math as that. Or again, maybe it's basically like, look, man. I just I see this totally differently than the people here right now. Um, we couldn't have had a more contentious way for me to get here, right? He tried to buy them, They tried to back out of it, and they sued him, and they won. And so,
1: well, they didn't really win. They just they, the, their case looked like it would win. I mean, the, the
0: shareholders won. Yeah, they yeah. got. They, the, I mean, the the CEO and the management team didn't win in the sense that they got fired, but the larger shareholders got an inflated price for the company.
1: Yeah. Do you, do you think that stuff where he's just refusing to pay people their exit packages and all that, that that'll hold up?
0: You know, I was— so today, While and I were reading the paper, and there was an article about a trial starting today about kind of left-wing activists who say they were beaten up and roughed up in a protest outside of Trump Tower in uh-huh. 2015.
1: Um, By the NYPD?
0: No, no, by Trump security guards. Okay, They're suing. So my question was like, okay, let's just assume that they're right, because why would you put anything past Trump, right? Is he going to pay the judgment? No, right? He doesn't do anything. So like maybe there's just this sort of too big to fail or just sort of like you become so powerful. And by the way, owning Twitter only adds to that that you just become immune. I mean, this guy has done things that the SEC would have put other people in jail for you know, multiple times, and he gets away with it every single time. he has a billion dollar fine, or he has to apologize, or some nonsense like that. So I, you know, maybe what he is saying is, uh, and I I am an independent power base in this world. I have my own followers, my own companies, my own wealth, my own now means of communication, and I will say or do what as I please. And if you, the US government or anyone else wants to take me on, I am going to be a formidable foe. Maybe that's how he sees it. Look, that's sort of what Peter Thiel was doing when he was trying to run Blake Masters and J.D. Vance for, for Senate in a smaller way. But it was like, look, in a 50-50 environment, if I completely control two US senators, I become the most powerful person in the ballgame. So you know, maybe the society is breaking down to the point where individuals are saying, fuck it. Um, I can become as big as the system itself at this point, and I don't have to play by any of the rules of the system.
1: So let's say we have seen peak Twitter, and you know uh, what, what the media is worried about comes to pass, and, and Elon kind of destroys uh, what's, what's, what remains good about it. I, I, I know you probably think there isn't much left good about it, but that it, does, it does exist within certain niche areas. I mean, a lot of niche areas is this really... Kind of interesting and healthy debate on sort of economics or hockey or all these okay. things. But
0: but but right. So the the, the so, best argument I hear for Twitter is like you can get faster news when something happens immediately than you can from the actual media. Well, right? it's, not,
1: it's not it's not news though. Can, can I mean, I, I, I think there that? is I think there is an aspect of news, but it's also like like I use Twitter when I watch the Rangers games, right? Because like you see a play that you don't understand, and like someone says like Truba did this on that play, or like, and it's really helpful for that. It really and there's actually a yes. n- number of really good people. Who really understand hockey? Now a lot of right. the dumbass fans would pile on and be like, "That guy's garbage. Fuck that guy." But like, if you just if you just have that as a background to the game, you can actually like now, enjoy the game. But more. let me ask a question: If the announcers were good at their job, wouldn't they be
0: performing that yeah, role? Yeah, but they're for not you? good.
1: And so, so, so some are. Like the Mets announcers are really good. Yeah, yeah, I don't but, need but, Twitter but, for to watch a baseball game. No, no, I, I, it's not that one needs it. It does. It just adds an element. So I'm just saying that's it's it's not like the best thing ever. It's yeah. not like oh my god, it changed and everything. And let me ask you a question: But how
0: about this? You really do it. You think you're doing it for erudition, and you are. And like, I never contribute
1: to it. I never like write my own thoughts or
0: anything. You're perhaps the most intellectually curious person I've ever met. But let's say this: you're. Attention span is so pathetically short, this is true of all of us. I'm just <laughs> picking on you. Yeah, okay, that you can't just sit there and do one thing at a time and watch a screen. You need a second screen, and therefore you're using Twitter as an excuse to basically.
1: I mean, sure, that, it. that's 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 true. I, I just find, and I I don't do it all the time, but I but I it does it does it is an element, and I see I see you know it's precisely what you say. Like, how come the announcers aren't doing that? Well, I'm like, well, I don't know. I it, and and also there's only two of them and the game keeps going and so anyway it's yeah but it's, like here's my point yeah. though here's my question I, I I concede your point for sure or accept it look I did it or,
0: last night I watched the season premiere of The White Lotus did you like it yeah and I um, did you see that actress Haley Lou Richardson is she good. She, she plays the assistant. Yeah,
1: yeah, she was. Because I think I, I saw her in this movie Columbus years ago, and I always thought like, why is she not a huge star? She
0: was really good. Um, it's only one episode, but the point is, I was annoyed at myself because, like, despite not wanting to, my phone was there in the den with me, and despite not despite not wanting to, I would be checking it and doing stuff, and I was like, right. can I just us? I mean, it's just a fucking TV show. Can I focus for an hour? And like, the answer is no.
1: <laughs> anyway, here's my question that I was yeah. trying to lead up to if the, if twitter does start to decline doesn't work in the way that like all the sort of people in the media and politics love it what replaces it how does it how does the cuz you know one of the things about politics we've talked about this many times is that it it like it's ruled by twitter like people do stuff or don't do stuff worried about like getting roasted on twitter and, yeah. and well i don't if that goes away as a as a potential threat Is that not a good thing? Like, or or what replaces it? it, it, Or like, getting
0: rid of Twitter would be one of the best things that could happen to society. Well, it might be happening right across the board. Mm. Here's the thing, though. I was going to say because people, once the genie's out of the bottle, right? It's like with Uber. One of the reasons that we would go to a market without permission, ignore the cease and desist order, and hold off for as long as we could before engaging, was we understood, Travis understood, that once the genie comes out of the bottle, people can do it, they're not calling back. To a certain extent, that's my strategy with mobile voting. Um, The genie's out of the bottle with Twitter, and while I think it's a horrendous product, you and other people uh, find a lot of value in it. So even if Elon shuts it down completely, destroys its current system, whatever he does, something else will pop up in its place. Oh,
1: so you think that's what will happen if like-
0: I think journalists need a place to go for validation all day. Yeah. And to feel relevant.
1: Right. Um, Okay. And
0: I think activists need a place to- I mean, it, it provides a lot of insecure people with a platform to feel better about themselves. By, by denigrating and trashing everyone else.
1: Let's talk about, um, we have two other things to talk about, but the main thing is the attack on Paul Pelosi. Yeah. And I, I guess we we, we we are obviously not privy to any information about what the police in San Francisco know. Um, so we're looking at it purely from a kind of yeah. like... So here, here's my question. Not
0: like we don't know what happened and, and sort of analyzing the same shit that everyone's been analyzing in cable news for four days that doesn't make any sense. But the question is this, really. What's the breaking point? for politicians today so Nancy Pelosi's among the top few most powerful people in the country which makes her among the top few top powerful people in the world um, it's her husband I don't know what their relationship is like but let's assume she doesn't want him dead and he gets attacked in their home in their home with a hammer right is it is she now saying to herself this shit's gotten out of hand the rhetoric that I use that the other side uses, the way that we both try to inflame our bases to win elections and maintain our hold on power is so destructive to the point where my own spouse in my own home is literally almost murdered. Like, what's the point where people wake up and say, okay, maybe there are things more important uh, than holding political power. And the sad thing is, as I've been thinking through this, you know, I asked myself that question a couple of days ago and I've been thinking about it since. And the sad thing is, I don't think there is a breaking point. Right. In theory, there should come some point for a logical person that they say, this is too much. It's out of hand. It's enough. I need to do something different. We need to be different. Right. And uh, if we had some sort of great leader, perhaps they could take us in that direction. You know, Biden kind of says a lot of the right things, but he's not a great leader. He's not inspirational most of the country thinks he's sort of old and out of it. No,
1: it seems like it's an excuse for just sort of not being really engaged, Yeah, as opposed to, like, a really powerful... When the
0: political team in the polling says, you got to go extreme and give a speech sort of, you know, going way left or or just really radical to attack and inflame the base, to to inflame the base and attack the other side, he does it, right? So, like, I think he just does what he's told, basically. Um, So, you know, it just... I'm obviously not in the best mood today, so so maybe that's reflective of my comments. But like, the sad thing is, you can't really imagine if you concocted a scenario to say what would it take to get Nancy Pelosi's attention to get her to recognize that the system that she helps perpetuate is wrong and it has to change. This would be about as extreme as you would get, right? And yet at the same time, sadly, I don't think it will. Lead. I think the change will be show more security, but like. I don't think it will lead to change. I don't think anyone will become more moderate. I don't think anyone will say, hey, let's sacrifice a little bit of our own power um, to prevent extremism. I, I think well, I think what they,
1: what they are doing, in fact, is just throwing it right at the other side, right? So so the, the, the Democrats are all over the Republicans for creating this toxic, hostile, violent environment, and then the Republicans seem to be going the way they have been going, which is like, oh, all these crazy theories about what... Paul Pelosi was really doing, and all the ambiguities of the story, and then it just—it just—it's like it's just like back to square one in a sense.
0: Yeah, and look, until again, I mean, listeners are sick of hearing me talk about this, but until there's structural reform to the system where the political inputs change and appealing to a radical base is no longer advantageous from an electoral standpoint, it's gonna continue, right? So until we have something like a moderating force, like mobile voting nothing's going to change, and the sad thing is something that seems to me to be so wildly scary and offensive and outrageous happened, and I don't think it has the slightest impact on anything.
1: Um, how did your political consultant text group uh, dice this up over They the were weekend? just, tar- you
0: know, just- well, Howard Wolfson, who's in the group, his wife is Pelosi's chief of staff, right. so it's, it's a diff- right? different perspective yeah. than I think you would otherwise have on this. Yeah,
1: that makes sense. So I sent you this article. This is our last thing of the uh, of the conversation, but by- uh, oh, we will just talk about Kyrie for a second. Oh, you want to talk about Kyrie? I just,
0: it, if just from a pure public, so Kyrie Irving, for the people who are listening don't know this, yes. is a basketball player on the New, New, New Jersey, on the Brooklyn Nets,
1: um,
0: <laughs> extremely talented. I but still think
1: of them as New Jersey Extremely
0: also. controversial, says all kinds of crazy shit. He's a flat earther. He refused to get the vaccine last year and sat out most of the year as a result. Um, And he recently embraced a book, I think, or a movie, documentary, documentary that was heavily anti-Semitic. And then when asked about it, kind of doubled down on his comments. And just forget, I'm not going to, you know, we've already had enough people, you know, self-righteously decrying Kyrie. But I I just want to, like, if I were the Nets, what would you do? I would have cut him two days ago, three days ago, because here's what's going to happen. They're going to cut him anyway, right? Oh, you think they are? Eventually, they're going to have to because there's going to be so much pressure. He's going to keep saying stupid shit. Until and he, they cut him? He's going to keep, just because he's not capable of controlling himself. So he's going to keep doubling down. The media is going to keep baiting him. Social media is going to keep baiting him. And eventually, they'll have to cut him anyway. But instead of saying, Joe Sy and the Nets were proactive in a city where, I don't know, a third of the residents are Jewish. They took action and didn't stand for this, even if it was making their team worse. And by the way, their team sucks anyway. So they're not going anywhere anyway. Um, They could have cut him, gotten a lot of credit for it, maybe even gotten out of paying him his $30 million because there is a morals clause in in contracts, Um, and they could have looked like heroes. Instead, they're going to end up ultimately doing the same thing, but because they're trying to stick their head in the sand and weather the storm and all the other fucking nonsense that their advisors are telling them, they're going to get no credit. They're going to look like they didn't give a shit about anti-Semitism. And they eventually were just such cowards. So then when they, do, they finally do cut them, they're going to actually look cowardly in doing so. So it just like we see this movie over and over and over again. We're like, you know how it's going to play out. You know it's going to end badly. Ra- why not just sort of be proactive and be decisive and, and deal with it on the front end? And like the Nets are just another example of terrible
1: government relations and public relations. Um, does Kyrie continue his NBA career somewhere else? If if someone will pay him, yeah, or do you think someone does?
0: You know, on one hand, talent he's he's an extremely talented person. On the other hand, he was a I guess restricted free agent there. So he had some ability to to, to play did. elsewhere, and nobody wanted him. And nobody wanted him. So uh, I think the best thing that could happen would be that if if the, whatever his last game was was his last game
1: ever. so he goes and plays in China or something yeah wh- 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 who cares what this guy does but
0: like I just I'm think am
1: interested that- but I mean I, I think it's it's just tragic right it's like it's like Kanye West it's like what I mean insane one of a kind talent like just like just blowing it for nothing like right
0: the, for the again the listeners are not basketball fans the, the Kyrie Kyrie is an excellent basketball player overall, but his handle, the way he dribbles the ball, is considered perhaps the best in the history of the NBA. And so, like, when you're considered to have one skill that's a meaningful skill, that's the best ever, Right. that's a pretty big deal, Yeah. right? And yet, at the yeah. same time... Um, yeah. It's not—I mean, you know Kevin Durant regrets teaming up with him and coming to Brooklyn and, and everything else.
1: Kevin Durant seems to have so many different problems, that, um, but that's one of them. Uh, All right, so so do we article. want to talk
0: about the—Derek
1: Thompson, should yeah, we just get him on the podcast? Yeah, yeah. So, we so, should get him
0: on, but, but also but also so, uh, 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 yeah. the, the
1: the The story that he had, The Atlantic— Actually, I think Derek Thompson had two amazing stories in like what seemed to be the span of a day or two. Um, one of them was—Derek uh, is a writer for, uh, for The Atlantic— uh, the story we're going to talk about now is called What Moneyball for Everything Has Done to American Culture. Mm-hmm. Um, you can make things so perfect that it's ruined, um, is the subhead. And his, his argument is mostly it starts with baseball, obviously with moneyball, is that the sort of optimization of, of offensive and defensive strategies has created this kind of boom or bust game where the pitchers are just trying to strike everybody out and throw as hard as they can. The batters are all making their launch angles as high as possible so that the the game is about strikeouts and home runs, and the yeah. sort of middle ground has been completely lost, and the game is well, boring.
0: And that um, sort of the, the statistical people in the front office can effectively use advanced analytics to make decisions to make their teams more competitive, which does two things. A, as, as Thompson said, cuts down on offense, makes the game a little more boring, but B... I One of the reasons Moneyball is so popular is because what it said to all the nerds like us is like, oh, you can be the hero in sports, right? Yeah, you can barely throw a fucking ball, but you could figure out who has the highest on-base percentage and and target that player, and therefore you could be the general manager of the Cubs or the Red Sox or the A's or whatever (laughs) it is. And so, like... Tens of thousands of people just like you and me, who would desperately love to work in sports, but have no athletic talent whatsoever, all of a sudden felt better and relevant because of Michael Lewis's book. Now, that's true and so is what Thompson said. I think where Thompson fell short in the article is is he didn't acknowledge the efforts to change it, right? So for example, most notably, the shift has been banned. So the shift is, I'm coming up to plate, and I'm 70% more likely to hit the ball on the right side of the infield than the left side of the infield they move players to the right side of the infield and say, okay, we'll have the shortstop uh, on the right side of the infield and the third baseman can cover it because the odds of, of me hitting the ball to the left side are pretty low. And by the way, you, sometimes you, you pay the price of that, but overall the math works, right? They're banning that. Um, they're enlarging the bases to make it easier to steal bases. They have I've heard Theo Epstein, who's now handling this for baseball, talk about moving the mound back uh, by a foot or two, which would decrease velocity. Um, so number one is, I, I do think that that the league, and I'm not an apologist to the league at all, but I do think the league understands it and is at least trying to do something about it. Now, do I think the league is decisive? No. Do I think they are innovative? No. Um, but I do think they're trying. And number two is, maybe as a Mets fan, I'm particularly scarred by this, but the guy that I think epitomizes what Thompson wrote about the most is Jacob deGrom, right? Jacob deGrom is is tall, but he's not a big dude. He's clearly not doing steroids. Um, And yet he has figured out, very smart guy and very talented, obviously, how to throw the ball consistently at 100 to 102 miles an hour in the right spot and strike everybody out. And he has figured that out and he has kind of, in a way, beat the system. On the other hand, guess what? The human arm isn't meant to do that. Jacob Degrom is always hurt, so as a fan, he's more frustrating than anything else because he's never available. And whenever he is, you're always holding your breath. He's a free agent this year. We'll see. I mean, he's going to get a mega contract from somebody, but I think there's legitimate debate among you know Mets fans as to whether or not it would be worth that kind of Can money. Can you imagine re-sign. a
1: future in which Judge and Degrom are both not resigned by their by the Yankees and Mets? That could happen. God, what a what it, it a. It would, would be more
0: more intentional by the Mets in the sense that they could clearly. Took to the Yankees. They can clearly afford him, but they may decide that the money, just given his injury history, is not really worth it. Whereas with the Yankees, you could see Judge saying, Well, fuck these guys. They could have locked me up. They, they insulted me with a low ball offer. I'm from Northern California. The Giants are offering me more money. I want to go home. And even if the Yankees then match or exceed that total, he just may say, In a four hundred million dollar contract, what do I care about ten million dollars or twenty million dollars or whatever it is?
1: Um you watching the World Series? Yeah. Yeah. I R- thought game who are you one waiting was- for. I I'm, can't root for the Astros. You are.
0: Jesus. So instinctively I rooted for the Astros in game one because you know the Phillies are a Mets rival. Yeah, yeah. Um but I was excited by the Phillies' comeback, right? So it, it was hard not to, I think I think sometimes like when I watch football now, I just root for whoever's on offense. Right? I just think it's more fun that way most of the time. Unless it's the Giants, but I don't never I barely watch the Giants anymore. Um I think I'll probably watch the game tonight. Same thing. Whoever's at the plate, I'll, I'll root for them today.
1: Till next week, Bradley. See ya.